pleasure, pleasure, more pleasure, and intensity. That's what my guest, Leela Sinha, and I talk about this week. You're listening to Sex, Love, Joy, an interview series in which special guests reveal intimate details about how they connect the dots between Sex, Love, Joy. I'm your host, Anayin B. Orquist. On today's show, I have with me coach, consultant, and speaker, Leela Sinha. If you've ever needed permission to have more pleasure in your life, this is the interview for you. Enjoy. Hi, Leela. Thanks for being on Sex Love Joy. I am so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. I have a ton of questions for you. The first one is about something that you've said on your website. You said your direction comes from an inner sense of rightness and that that rightness feels good that it feels like pleasure because it is. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. (laughs) I believe that pleasure is our inner compass and that putting pleasure first heightens our intuition. Can you talk about how pleasure is connected to our inner knowing? Oh, pleasure is the very first knowing we have. I believe that we start out with two directions we can go. It's pleasure or pain, pleasure or not pleasure. And we're wired as as animals, as living beings, we're wired to move toward pleasure. So our inner knowing is pleasure and everything else grows out of it. <laughs> I, <laughs> you're speaking my language. There was something else on your site that you talked about that tapping into pleasure is where you have your most power and that it's like functioning and ease. Can you go deeper into that? And tapping into pleasure is um, is really closely related in my mind to tapping into the energy in my body. And I know some people believe that energy work and that sort of thing exists and some people don't. For me, it's really clear that it exists because I feel it in my body, the way that I feel pain, the way that I feel pressure, you know, if somebody holds your hand and, and you feel the pressure on your skin, I feel I it's that same kind of sensation, like a physical sensation. But what I feel when I tap into power and what I believe that everyone feels when we can feel it, when we open ourselves to the feeling, is that we tap into our pleasure and it's this direct connection to everything that we know to be true and to our strongest, most focused sense of direction. So when I tap into my pleasure, I feel like I can do anything, anything. I feel like super person. <laughs> I I told you before we started recording that I, I learned this the hard way. It took me a long time. And when I talk to people about pleasure, putting pleasure first, they look at me like I'm crazy. And the two things that, that they think that I'm talking about is either hedonism or they think that I'm talking about avoiding the tough times. I would love for you to share your views around those two misconceptions. Okay, so I'm going to tackle hedonism first. I have to share with you that when I went to get a custom URL on Facebook and I want um, the name of my 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 um, website, one of my two websites is Body of Pleasure. And I went to Body of Pleasure and I said, okay, I want this as my URL. And Facebook wouldn't let me do it. And after a while, I realized it wasn't that somebody else had Body of Pleasure. It's that the word pleasure is flagged. Yes, it is. So is 
um, the word sexy. There's so many words. That yeah, but, add. but but the problem is that pleasure is so much more than sex. I have no problem with sex. I think sex is amazing yeah. and wonderful. And there is really a connection between tapping into your sense of pleasure and tapping into your sense of your own sexiness and the sexual pleasure and the non-sexual pleasure and the sensual pleasure. Like they do all interconnect. I would never say they don't. But pleasure is so much bigger than that. I mean, imagine I don't know where you are, but but where I am, we are snowed in. <laughs> we are four feet under <laughs> snow. And that first spring day when the grass is warm enough to walk on barefoot and you can wiggle your toes in the grass, that's pleasure. And I love where you're going with this right now because that, to me, is a huge thing. There's pleasure in everything. And I've gone through the hardest two years of my life. And it had it not be, been for me every day figuring out how to tap into that one ounce of pleasure that I could find in that day, I wouldn't be here right now. And that you're, you're saying exactly what people, because the thing is, people associate the word pleasure instantly with sexuality, but everything is about pleasure and joy. And when you meet that person that your antennas <laughs> light up, where like, oh, I have to be with this person or no, that's where I think that pleasure really is that inner compass because your body instantly knows this is good or bad for me. Yeah, your body knows and your body will tell you. And then if you're like most people, the next thing you'll do is ignore it. I have this huge <laughs> rant and, and it's actually how a lot of times when I speak in public, this is, this is how I start because, you know, we don't think about this, but when we teach, so, so we start out with kids and we teach them to be potty trained and that's great body awareness. That's, that's, exquisitely tuning these kids into pleasure, right? When they feel uncomfortable, they go pee and then they feel better, right? Peeing when you have to pee, that's pleasure. That's pleasure. That's like a fundamental pleasure of humanity <laughs> is to pee when you have to pee. <laughs> that's probably tweetable. <laughs> and that's hella funny to me because I used to work in surgery. So I used to have to hold it yeah. for hours and now I can hold pee forever. And I'll be like, I play with that fine line of like, I can hold this forever. Yeah, you can, <laughs> but doesn't it feel good when you get to go? I know, like you just totally like made my head explode <laughs> around my relationship with urinating. <laughs> so, <laughs> like crazy. that's the that's the basic, right? And but then we take kids into school, most of us. And when our kids go into school, what do we tell them? You can't pee until the teacher says it's time to pee. So right yeah. there, we're teaching them that the institutional convenience is more important than their relationship to their body and pleasure. And people, I'm huge about not forcing my kids to hug. Yes. And cutting their hair the way they want to. Just like some really basic things that other parents are like, they have to do that. And I think it, it takes their sense of autonomy away when you force them to do things like that. And it that. teaches them, it teaches us, because we were those kids once, it teaches us that our pleasure is something that we should ignore, that our sense of discomfort, right? So pleasure and discomfort are, are two sides of the same coin. It teaches us to ignore the discomfort and not turn toward pleasure, even though we know what's good for us. So then we get to the point, as you're saying, where we meet somebody and we're like, oh, my God, you're really hot. I really want to. And there's that little niggling thing down in your solar plexus, like right below your rib cage in the center of your body that's going, no. And you go, oh, hush. It goes, no. And you go, shh. And it goes, no. 
Right. And so you go through that entire like that entire ramp up of that relationship with this slightly sick tugging in the pit of your stomach. And then when things fall apart, you go, I should have known. Yeah. It's so crazy because we always really do know. The other day, my husband was was leaving to go to the grocery store. And in my stomach, I felt that he should take one of our sons, the two younger ones, because I just had this feeling that their energy, I could feel that their energy was off and that Uh they were going to fight. And within three minutes of him leaving, they fought and they broke one of their phones. And I was like, my body always knows. Why don't I always listen, even though this is my work? I don't even, sometimes we don't even listen. So, and this is our work. So to me, I wanted to ask you, because on your website, you also talked about how you once thought that inhabiting your body meant losing control. And I would love to know more about how you went from that to where you are now. Well, I thought that inhabiting my body meant losing control because I had been taught that my brain was more important than my body. You know, you and I were talking a little bit about that. And I I was talking about, I was, I had been taught, you know, my father's an engineer, my mom's a mathematician, my brother's a computer scientist. Like I grew up in a very head oriented environment and, and I didn't trust my body to to express itself. And here's, here's the other thing that I've really been exploring recently, like in the last week or two, I've really been digging into this idea that I'm a really intense person and that that's okay. And so you combine a connection to pleasure with it, with this connection to intensity. Right. And it's like, if I had let my body do what it wanted to do, I would have probably been like a really loud, exuberant kid. And that's one of the things that almost made me cry on your website was when you you were talking about being the quiet kid and that for you some you feel like some of your clients were the you know the loud extrovert yeah. and then you said things like I I see you I see everyone I see the things that other people miss yeah. and I was like wow that was me but I was the loud kid yeah <laughs> yeah and I might have been the loud kid but I didn't turn out to be but I had so much sympathy and so much affinity for those kids that's I know yeah. piece you're talking about but I was like I see that you're, you know, pulling a prank. It's not going to hurt anyone. So I'm not telling anyone. I think it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you um, giving that energy to like to really be seen and to show up and and to live fully in your intensity? Because I think that people turn down themselves. They turn down their light way too often. Oh, my God. You're not kidding. So. I have spent a lot of times getting into my body, getting into that sense of pleasure, really rooting, you know, that first and second chakra, like that really strong sense of groundedness and self and sexiness and visceral existence. And from there, everything just emerges. And if something feels bad in the pit of my stomach, I don't do it. I won't do it. Yeah. I'll just be like, and I'm, I'm almost 40 years old and I'm finally at a point. I don't know what it is about turning 40, but everyone told me this would happen when I turned 40 and I'm almost 40 and here it is. I just don't care what other people think. Like if, if my if pit of my stomach says no, the answer is no. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel the same way because I'm, I'm two years away from 40 and I feel like it's, it's about me. It's about how I feel, but at the same time, not doing damage to other people. As long as I'm helping myself and not hindering others, I need to follow my gut. Well, and here's the thing about that, right? So if we really, this is the difference between easeful and easy and the Mm difference, and, and there's this distinction in pleasure too. 
that that if you really connect to what feels easeful, like long term easeful, not easy in the moment, right? Yeah. If you're standing in, if you're in a committed relationship and you're standing in front of somebody that you really want to kiss and your committed relationship is not an open relationship, right? The easy in the moment thing might be to kiss the person in front of you because you want to. But the easeful thing, the thing that's going to give you that sense of deep pleasure and expansiveness and richness and warmth is not actually to kiss the person in front of you, but to like go home and maybe have a conversation with your partner about it. And that's where my work and the work of people like us who are doing this stuff with with pleasure, it all boils down to self-honesty. And being, you have to be in your body to be honest with yourself. Because if you're ignoring your body and the messages that your body is sending, you're not being honest with yourself. And you can't be honest with others if you're ignoring what your body is telling you. Right. Something that you said on your website as well was that you think that it is essential for people to realize that they they are in charge of their bodies. Yes. And that because of that, they can make decisions that nourish them and help them thrive. Can you dive into that about how people need to be in the driver's seat with their bodies? Your body belongs to you. It is the first thing you get. And it is the essence. It, it is it is your essential container. Like you, the essence of you is all kinds of interesting things. And some of them are physical and some of them aren't. But in terms of how you're going to occupy space in this world, your body is it. Like that's the thing that lets you be here. It, it's the doorway for you into into the physical world. And so you your body, you are <laughs> nobody gets to touch your body but you unless you say so. And when you and he, and this is a little side rant, but it's it, it's something that I end up talking about a lot is that like we have this idea that we should fit into our clothes. That is so <laughs> backwards. Our clothes should fit us. I want you to really go there. I, I still want you to go there because another one of my guests a couple of weeks ago, she talked about how we do that. Like it's not my body. It's these jeans. That's what she said. So I would love for you to go there and oh yeah rant. <laughs> okay so if you go to bodyofpleasure.com there is actually um, a manifesto link that has like the full length rant but... yes and it's a beautiful beautiful <laughs> manifesto and i suggest that everyone click play and listen or sit there and read it it's beautiful but here so here's the thing right your body is your beautiful shape and it's your beautiful shape no matter what's happening no matter if you're pregnant no matter if you're sick no matter if you've gained weight or lost weight no matter what anybody else thinks it is yours and you are beautiful and your clothes are just clothes and when i went to india i was there for eight months and one of the things that happened while i was traveling there was i wore indian clothes all the time and i came back to the states and i was like what is this that i gain an inch and i suddenly don't fit into my clothes anymore because indian clothes are really adjustable and saris and dhotis are draped fabric it's just an unstitched piece of fabric that you wrap around yourself it is a custom fitted garment every single time you put it on there is no such thing as a fat jean <laughs> and that's what uh, that's what hannah had said that if you go to somebody to have your clothes made for you to a tailor, everything, all the jeans are going to look good on you. Yes. You'll have the perfect skinny jeans for your body. Exactly. I I so love that you said that <laughs> because people reject their bodies because all the stuff in the media is these what I don't think they're perfect bodies. I don't I don't necessarily think that super skinny is great, but they just everybody's taught that your body is is wrong. 
And every time you put on clothes that don't fit you right, you feel like the physical sensation is of wrongness in your body because your clothes don't fit. And so they're either too tight or they're too loose and your body is trying to figure out how to adjust to this weird thing that you've poured it into. And that's not pleasurable. Like that doesn't feel good to me. Your clothes should feel exquisite. You should feel like you just want to hang out in your clothes all the time because they are awesome. They make you feel even better than you feel naked. (laughs) If your clothes don't make you feel better than you feel naked, why are you wearing them? So I'm sitting here with my mind blown because (laughs) I love being naked so much that I can't imagine (laughs) clothes ever making me feel like that. Like you just gave me, you gave me a homework assignment. (laughs) I want you to go find some clothes that make you feel better than you feel naked. (laughs) Layla, how can you do that to us? I mean, I love being naked, but why do I wear clothes? Because they somehow improve my nakedness. Like, I live in New England. If it's cold, I wear clothes (laughs) because they keep me warm. (laughs) I wanted you to talk a little bit more, too, as well, about how movement is a part of being in your body and wellness. (laughs) Well, let me start here. Our bodies are alive. um, And living things are in motion. When things stop moving, they're dead. When things grow, they're, they're alive. When things stop growing, they're dead. So we are constantly evolving as people and as bodies, as living animal beings on the planet. That's part of how we are. So this is part of my thing with the clothes, right? Because if you, you know, over the course of a week, you might gain or lose an inch somewhere on your body, your clothes should still fit, right? So, but motion, even more than that, like you look at a little kid, Does the little kid have trouble exercising? No. What does the little kid have trouble doing? Sitting still. We are not meant to sit still. We are not still beings. We are moving beings. And what we do is we send our kids to school and we teach them to sit still all day. And then we wonder why they have an obesity problem. Or ADD. Or ADD or, you know, any one of the, I saw something the other day and I thought, oh my God, we're really diagnosing childhood all the way out to the end of the earth. Um, It basically meant that the kid daydreams. And it's like, of course, the child daydreams. <laughs> and I'm I'm a kinesiology. I went back in school to be to do kinesiology, and oh, we awesome. had a, a speaker talk to us about how the ADD that they're diagnosing has to do with how kids' bodies and brains are associated to movement. And he was teaching us some tricks about having kids spin around in circles. Yeah, and. He had taught us that that resets like their equilibrium in their brain and in their ears. And I volunteer at my son's school. And last year when I was, you know, volunteering in the third grade, I was having some of the kids do that. And these kids that, because the teacher always gave me the quote unquote problem children to help. Yep. And these kids would like reset their brains and do the math because they were standing uh-huh. up and not having to sit still. Or they were laying yes. down on their tummies. And that's. That's crazy that a lot of people aren't, there's not a lot of people doing that work around helping children be in their bodies. We don't have to help them. We just need to not get in the way. <laughs> and so, That's so, so true. When, I, when I work with adults, when I work with clients who are, who are struggling to get moving again, I say, pay attention to when you fidget. 
pay attention to when your body is uncomfortable and then ask it what it really wants instead of just shifting position so it's slightly better. And that's the beginning of movement because if you pay attention to what your body really wants, it'll say, I want to get up and I want to lie on the floor and roll around and pretty much you're acting like a two-year-old because your body is still your body. (laughs) It is still yours. How does quietude and stillness help you be in your pleasure? I think it's about balance and it's about, it's about integration. So when we move around and we are engaged in the world, we're stimulated, we're hyper-stimulated sometimes, but most of the time we're just regular stimulated. You know, we're taking in a lot of information, sights and sounds and smells and textures. I'm, I'm tactile kinesthetic. Um, that's my primary learning, learning modality. So I take in things by touching them a lot. Um, you know, we're experiencing hot and cold and all these emotions. And and after a while, you have to like lie down and feel into the center of your body. Because when you're engaged with the outside of your body, with the skin of your body, usually you're not paying as much attention to the inside of your, the sensations on the inside of your body. So when you go into quietude, stillness, meditation, lying down, um, listening to music with your eyes closed, you go into that center part of your body, you go into the, into your core, you go and you, you can feel, you can feel the, the pleasure sort of warming the inside of your body and you can really get a sense of, you know, does this feel good? Does this feel bad? Where do I need to go next? And the more you practice that in, you know, designated quiet space and time, the easier it is for you to flip into that state if you need to check in with yourself when you're out in the world. So if you meet someone and you're having that like eh feeling and you want to check in and see if if that feeling is really there, you can you can drop right into that state if you've practiced getting into that state. So it's like meditation, but it doesn't have to be meditation. It just has to be this state of quiet connection to the core of your body. Leela, how do you create the feeling of beauty in your life? <laughs> All the ways. <laughs> All the ways. So I have to define beauty first, because to me, beauty is not just visual beauty. It's it's everything, everything wonderful, everything gorgeous, everything that feels good is is beauty. So I create beauty by connecting with people. I create beauty by bringing you know fresh flowers into my house. I create beauty by writing with a fountain pen on really delightful paper. Ooh. I create beauty by touching people. Um, I do have my massage therapy license, although I don't have a lot of um, massage therapy clients at this point. I'm focusing on the coaching more, but um, but I have my massage therapy license. And so sometimes I create beauty by loosening people's muscles up. And uh, sometimes when I have the opportunity, I, ha- I create beauty with with sex and with sexual contact. And I create beauty by making art. I, I create beauty by making bad art too. So <laughs> I give myself permission to be a terrible painter and I paint anyway. Um, and that's beautiful too. And the feeling of the paint on the brush on the paper is so slick and thick and, and just gorgeous. Um, all of it, all of it is beauty. Pleasure, pleasure and beauty are, are so entwined for me. <laughs> So many layers to that answer. That's why I asked it. (laughs) I'm just, I have the biggest smile on my face because you're, you are so amazing. That your work is so amazing. Um, I have more questions for you, but I think this would be a great time for you to tell the listeners about your 30 day pleasure project. So the 30 day pleasure project came out of all these conversations about pleasure that I was having with people where people said to me, Oh my God, 
I love what you do. I could never do that. Hmm. And I said, what do you mean you could never do that? <laughs> They're like, I can't handle pleasure. And I said, what do you mean? They're like, I haven't, I haven't been able to engage with pleasure in that way. I can't do it. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. What will my husband think? Like all these things. And I said, it is not that complicated. <laughs> and I said, it is as simple as letting a piece of chocolate melt on your tongue. And they said, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> and I said, all you have to do is start feeling pleasure in your big toe. And they said, <laughs> what do you mean? I, I can't, I can't even. Right. So when you get the I can't even, you you have to do something. (laughs) So I created a a, it's a free um, it's a free experience. It's a 30 day experience. um, And what you do is you sign up on my website and you get 30 tiny little assignments. And I mean, tiny, like they will not take you more than 15 minutes. They might only take you five assignments that will start to bring you in touch with your body, in touch with your pleasure in touch with the beauty in your life. And they are, and they are all designed to be something you can do in private. Like you don't have to, nobody else has to know you're doing this because that's a huge concern that comes up for people that they, they engage with my work a little bit. And then they say, Oh my God, what if somebody finds out that I'm actually in touch with my body? What if somebody <laughs> finds out that I'm actually like exploring feeling good? Because there's so much judgment in our culture. I mean, yeah. I jokingly say that people say that people wonder if I, I'm teaching hedonism, but, but in fact, you know, when I tell people this, that, that this is the work that I do, a lot of times they come back at me and they say, you, you teach people pleasure. Well, you know, I could never, you know, that's not healthy or that's bad or, or what are you teaching people to be lazy? Like there's so many layers of judgment. And so, yes. so this is a program that you can do privately, quietly on your own at your own pace. You can sign up for the 30 emails and like never do them, which a lot of people do actually. I've gotten emails from people who are like, I signed up for your 30 day pleasure project, but then I never did them. And, and like there's no judgment there. Maybe all that you have the capacity for right now is to read them and think about it. That's okay. And it is about judgment because oftentimes when when women or anyone really like they they want to do this work, they think how does what does that say about me if I want to tap into pleasure? Does that make me a bad person? And I I love that you mentioned lazy because that's what a lot of people think that if you put pleasure first, you're lazy or narcissistic or just selfish. Plain weird. Selfish. <laughs> selfish comes up all the time. Yeah. And and for me, it really isn't. I love that you said, you know, putting a piece of chocolate in your mouth and letting it melt on your tongue. Sometimes I have three kids. Sometimes as a mom, that's all I had time for that day. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it helps me wake up the next morning and go, Okay, I can do this. I, I'm really happy to be alive today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you said it earlier about like that little thimble full of pleasure that, you know, you sometimes the crack in the cement is is almost impossible to see. But if you can get a little water and a little dirt and one mustard seed in there, that's all it takes. That one mustard seed will break that sidewalk open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All, you know where, where my brain is right now? Because we've talked so much about pleasure. My brain is thinking, I cannot wait for it to be warm outside. I just want to float in my pool. That's what this whole conversation. <laughs> That's delightful. That's is perfect. doing for me. Like, I just want to float in my pool. <laughs> because I feel, I feel you just giving so much permission. Yes. And 
I love people that give others permission. That's just, I, I think that's the most important thing. So you work around pleasure and you push others to follow their pleasure. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's any desires that you feel guilty about or yeah. not feel guilty about, but you feel guilty about wanting them. You know, that's a really excellent question. I have spent a lot of time working through my crap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I have to think about that for a moment. Is there anything I feel guilty about wanting? You know, sometimes I live in New England and there's a really strong culture of self-sufficiency. And so sometimes I will catch myself. I don't, there's nothing that I like deep, deep down feel guilty about wanting, but sometimes I'll catch myself feeling not quite okay with needing help or with wanting to ask for help. I, I had a back injury in the middle of December and I have only recently been able to walk and move freely again. And I have had to ask people to shovel for me, which is this huge like self-sufficiency New England thing. Yeah. And I've had to help. And you know where I really get tripped up is when I feel like I have to ask for help for something that I don't do well anyway. Like I'm, I, I love having a clean house, but I'm not always great about cleaning my house. Mm -hmm. And with my back injury, I wasn't able to move. And now I'm not able to bend over. And so I need to ask for help to clean my house. And I have all this judgment stuff come up for me around like good people clean their houses, right? What What is that? There's stuff people are good at. There's stuff people aren't good at. It's that simple. I just need to ask for help. So asking for help is one of the things that's that's still a challenge for me, but for like for desiring, for wanting, I think I've really finally, at almost age 40, made peace, made peace with, with my desires, whatever they are. Like if if I have a, a want for something, even if it's something that I don't think I should follow through on for some reason, like, oh, I want to eat this thing, but I know it's going to make me ill, so I won't eat it. Like even then, I don't feel I don't feel guilty about it. I'm just aware of it. What does your body want? Right this minute? <laughs> my body. What, yeah. Yeah. Now, like in the moment, what does your body want? My body wants warmth and sunshine and touch. My body loves touch. And um, now that you mentioned your pool, my body wants to go swimming. <laughs> my body wants to go skinny dipping. I think bathing suits are so obnoxious. <laughs> and, and my body wants... Um, but yeah, my body wants connection, like physical connection with other people and with animals and with the world. Like I want to go out and hug trees, which I, I absolutely do. I am a card carrying tree hugger because connection <laughs> to trees and I can't do that because it's like, you know, cold. It's when, when it gets to 20 degrees, we think it's warm. <laughs> so my body wants to hug trees and my body wants motion. Like it wants to, it wants to dance and move in ways that I can't quite yet because of the injury, but I will soon. And I'm really excited about that. <laughs> You've talked about being almost 40 a few times. Yeah. What was the greatest lesson of your 20s? And then after you tell me that, what was the greatest lesson of your 30s? The greatest lesson of my 20s was that I get to occupy my body. Like my 20s was the the decade when I really came into this presence and this work and this sense of pleasure. So that was the huge lesson of my 20s. It's like it's okay to feel pleasure. It's okay to be loud. It's okay to express yourself. It's okay like that. That was my 20s. 
Um, and the greatest lesson of my 30s so far has been, um, has been that I need more diva energy. So when I got my coach training in 2009, I was working with a small group and we went around the group and each person in the group said what they thought that the other people in the group needed as a quality more of needed more of as a quality. And I, so we had been together for a while. We were in a training environment. We were all in the, in really in a supportive mode. Um, it was actually a beautiful exercise and it was really, yeah, it was a small group. So there were like five of us and each one of us was hot seated, like was the focus for a minute and everyone and the rest of the group sort of discussed and concluded what quality you would really benefit from having more of in order to be a better coach and sort of more present in the world as yourself. Because of course, being yourself is the first best quality of being a coach. And when they got to me, they said, you need to be more of a diva. And I said, what? <laughs> and they said, you need to be more of a diva. You need to assume that people want to do things for you and you need to let them do them. And that has <laughs> so been the lesson of my 30s. That <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I think I've always been a little bit of a diva or <laughs> I, I never had it worded like that, to, that you need to let other people do stuff for you because for 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 me I never saw it as that because I've been very independent as someone who's very independent how do you want to be supported right now what what is that craving in that genre or in that area you know independence is a funny double-edged sword so the thing that I I love to have (laughs) one of the things that's best for me is to have peers like really supportive wonderful warm strong intense peers who who reflect to me what they see in me that's wonderful because one of the challenges of, of, of independence is that it can slide into isolation and you can lose perspective on yourself. And that's when all those nasty midnight gremlins wake up and start telling you all the things that aren't really helpful and aren't really true about yourself. And it, it takes some doing to get out from under that. So when I work with my clients, uh, one of the things I do is I hold this vision of their absolute stunning stellar beauty. And one of the things that's most supportive for me is when my peer group does that for me, when I have a circle of people gathered around me who aren't going to lie to me, but are also going to sit me down and say, hey, honey, you forgot, you're gorgeous, <laughs> inside and out. And that's that's so useful to me. Um, and then the other thing is I just, I like to be loved. I do. I, I like to have a lot of love in my life and I really revel in it. And when I feel an abundance of love, everything comes more easily. You wrote on your site a post. The title of it was You Are What You Claim. I absolutely love that. What do you claim? What do I claim? I claim I claim sensuality and I claim mm. intensity and I claim power. And I can claim not only beauty, but the ability to create beauty. I just want to send everyone to you. <laughs> Excellent. Because this is my work too. And you make me feel so at ease. And I just, from talking to you, I have this juiciness <laughs> feeling in my body. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love, I've loved talking to you. Can you tell the listeners 
how they can connect with you and work with you. Yes, absolutely. So I have two websites, Leela Sinha, L-E-E-L-A-S as in Sam, I, N as in Nancy, H-A dot com and bodyofpleasure.com. And um, from those websites, you can find out more about working with me. If you want to do the 30-Day Pleasure Project, you can um, sign up on the Body of Pleasure website. There's a link right on the front page, and that's an automatically generated email. It'll just go right out. It, if it's not, if you don't get it, you should email me and let me know. Um, and I am happy to work with people. I am actually in the process of revamping my offerings. So my primary offering is now a four-hour intensive on the phone. Um, and I have one-hour sessions available if that's appropriate for what you want to address. Or you can come work with me in person on the coast of Maine for eight hours, a whole eight-hour day. I find that we do some some of the richest, richest work when when we do intense, intense explorations of self. Um, so yeah, especially so in person. The, yeah, yeah. So if you can't make it out here, then the four-hour phone session is a great option. And we will stay on the phone probably for the entire four hours. If you can make it out here, we will have a gorgeous, gorgeous eight hours together. Um, and again, there are occasionally questions or inquiries that I get that are more appropriate, like a one hour thing. And so we'll, those are, are available if that's what's appropriate. Sex is gorgeous. Love is oh, deepening. Joy is open hearted. Can you define intensity and the, the benefit of it. Yes. So this is this is brand new work for me. This is like this is the egg I've just cracked. <laughs> and and it's running all over my fingers. It's that new. Um so the benefit intensity is of fire. It's it's coming at life from a place of fire and strength and power and energy and speed. Um and and it's diving in and it's saying to your lover, I want to try everything all at once. Let's book a weekend. Um, and it's saying, and it's, it's, it's running down the hill with your arms wide open, squealing because it's just so beautiful out. It, that's, that's intensity, right? And the benefit, the benefit of intensity is that you get to do everything completely. Like you don't pull punches. You don't go halfway. This is not like a half-ass partial. Like it's you, you go into it. You, you go into it full on. Everything is full on. If you did something, you did it. You didn't just kind of maybe dabble. There is no kind of maybe dabbling <laughs> in intensity. And, and the beauty of it is that, is that everything, it makes life so rich. It makes life like deep reds and blues and purples and technicolor. Like that's the life that you live when you're intense. The challenge is that you feel everything intensely, even the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the challenge is that if you bring that level of intensity to people who are not intense, the world does, isn't full of intense people. There are some of us, but we're not, I don't even think we're the majority. And if you, and so I've, I've started using the word intensives as a noun to describe us. So when you, when you're an intensive and you bring, and you bring your intensiveness, your intenseness to somebody who's not intense, they get overwhelmed. You end up running them over and you don't mean to. You're just really excited about life. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And so some people, some people who are not intensives love it. Some people who, who are, you know, quiet and reserved are like, oh, well, that's a lovely balance to my quiet reservedness. But most people who are not intense back off eventually or they get tired. They get, they actually get exhausted and they back off and they're like, you're, you're really intense. You're too intense. I can't handle you. Right. How many of us have been through a breakup where somebody said, you're too intense? Uh, I'm raising all my limbs over here. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. So when somebody says you're too intense enough times, you start to believe that it's a problem, but it's not a problem. It's simply a characteristic and they weren't ready to engage with you at that intense level. And so you have two choices, right? You can engage with them in a less intense level or you can engage with, choose to engage more with people who are intensives who can in, embrace and enjoy your intenseness with you because they will also be intense. Yes. And the challenge there is that you just have to, you know, moderate because what in my conversations with other intensives, what I've discovered is that we all have this thing of like, we dive in for like two weeks and then we go sleep. <laughs> we rest intensely just the way we yes. act intensely. And it's like that scene in A Little Prince where, where you know, the, the kid draws the hat and the adults say, it's a hat. And the kid says, no, it's a boa constrictor digesting an elephant. <laughs> We we show up and they're like, look, it's a hat. And we're like, no, I'm digesting an elephant. Go away. I'll talk to you in two weeks. <laughs> I'm so glad that I asked you about this word. It was the one thing that, that bubbled up in my gut. And oh, <laughs> see, in your gut. <laughs> so I'm super excited about this because this is where I think my work is actually evolving is to specifically working with intensives. Yeah. Pleasure. Because we're so often told that like that intense pleasure that we like that's that's so anathema to our culture. Not only do we want pleasure, but we want intense pleasure mm -hmm. and we want it everywhere in our lives. We want exquisite food. We want luxurious bedding. We want we want deep, deep conversations that keep us up until four in the morning yeah. and deep connections we, we can trust. Intensely. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we want wild orgasms and we want to be able to come to somebody with all of our intensity, with our, our intense tears and our intense panics and our intense joys and our like the amazing miracles that we attract into our lives because of who we are. And we want someone who can celebrate all of that with us. Mm -hmm. I, because I think it boils down to what you said on your website about being seen. I, you are a beautiful soul that sees so much. I'm, I'm so happy. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a real pleasure. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Sex, Love, Joy. For more interviews like this one and my other work, please visit sexlovejoy.com. I hope that listening to today's guests talk about living their truths helps you in your quest to do the same. Remember, thriving ain't easy, but adding a little sex, love, joy to your day makes the living a whole lot juicier. Until next time.